I'll just say it every few seconds for you. Preston. Preston Knob End. Preston <laughs> Knob End. You know that's the cut loafer now, Rich, don't you? Different Gravy, not just another Sheffield Wednesday podcast. I'm one of the hosts, Richard Miller, and my co-host, more game than GameStop, harder to get a hold of than Dogecoin, something something AMC, your friend of mine, Dr. Luke Gledall. How are you doing today, Luke? <laughs> very good. I'm very good. I love the topical reference that so you brought in there for me. Look at the zeitgeist. We're right there at the tip. We're the pimple on the nose of the zeitgeist. <laughs> always, always. They're on Different Gravy. What better way to kind of bring in to just bring in another sponsor, Rich? So, yeah. are you hiring right now? Do you know someone who is? Do you have a hole in your squad with talents you can't find anywhere on the pitch? Well, fret no more, as Shit Recruiter is here to show you the way. Need a left back, a commanding defender, maybe a towering target man, a holding midfielder, or some pace up top and on the wings? Simply feeding your requirements into Shit Recruiter's impeccable database and find options you really need coming up with a unique Paxo stuffing rating, like another David Jones to clog up those bench options, like a giant wet sandbag of sage and onion stuffing. <laughs> How about an Irby Emanuelson to brighten up the training ground and make Warren Feeney look like someone we need to give a testimonial to? Well, Shit Recruiter is here to serve. Use a promo code GRADYSHILLS to get your first signing free of charge and our astronomical agency fee waived. Shit Recruiter, give your squad a right stuffing. <laughs> and for I think for the month of Ju January they are giving away a free rubbish loan striker with every uh, appointment you make which is it's very generous of them and I think you know jump on board you could end up with someone just as good as uh, as old Marriott for it's for Sheffield Wednesday. Excellent. What a deal. What a deal. <laughs> I do think one of the problems with the system is it does suggest just buying or signing not quite so good forwards for almost every issue that you have. Need a holding midfielder? What about what about a third choice championship striker? Centre back? Um, have you thought about a third choice championship striker? <laughs> That's what shit recruiter does best. What can I say, guys? Let's. There's plenty to get into, so mm. let's. Swiftly. Breaking hoo-hoos. We're breaking that hoo-hoos. Oh, I mean, where to start, really? But I, mm. I suppose chronologically, kind of, hopefully. Sure, let's try it. Um, let's give it a real try. Sam Hutchinson joins. Mm. Sam Hutchinson joins and plays straight away. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we did dedicate a lot of time to that. But I, I must say, we did have, we now have the joy of the press conference, which was fun. I enjoyed the bit where he was um, holding up the, the shirt and then we got to see footage of him walking away and him stuffing it into his jacket pocket. That was quite fun. And um, it's nice to see Alison Prime star of House of Cards back. I must say I've enjoyed some of his pattern rhetoric in the press. I mean, he does have oodles of badge kissing charm just billowing out his nether regions. He also cannot resist a little like, I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Yeah, I know. 
did you like me also loved Mike McCarthy, who did this on two occasions, the local football heaven journalist. But one of them, he referenced Hutchinson's sabbatical in Greece, only for Hutch to correct him that it was Cyprus and go, it's all right, I forgot about it already as well. <laughs> that was pretty fantastic, I must say. <laughs> to be fair, I think we've probably done the same on this podcast as well. I think we've probably referred to it. I think almost certainly almost we certainly. have. I mean, it's the same place, right? <laughs> I think there's probably not been any like conflicts or anything to do with it. No, they're like regular, they're just like regular bosom buddies, India and Pakistan, aren't they? Yeah. Mm. It's really fascinating. Sorry, this Mm. uh, this is a terribly, (laughs) I'm actually, I think I'm going to back out of this really, really quickly, but it's just funny how many like (laughs) different nations in that region are like, Look at this amazing cuisine that we've come up with. This is um this is some you know this is some uh, sort of liquidized chickpeas. We call it hummus, <laughs> and the bread that you have with it is going to be flat, but it's very uh, unique to us. You know, like it's just yeah. There's 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 a bit of um. It feels like they're fighting over a similar heritage, and maybe just have a chat, guys. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves hummus. Some people like tabbouleh. Let's get let's all get on board. Uh, <laughs> There's a few of us who have enjoyed tabbouleh at times. There's me who made it at university and just made something largely inedible. <laughs> just bulgur wheat and garlic just coming out my pores for the next day, you know. Anyway. But I suppose, I think with Hutch, he's obviously fit. He's come, mm. back, come in and played two games back to back. He's saying, as you say, he's saying the right things. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like he's never been away. Yeah. I'd also love to, to to focus on some more local media coverage. I did really enjoy talking about him as the cat who got the cream. And for mm. the rest of his Wednesday for career, I will now herefore refer to Sam Hutchinson with his cream lapping chops from here on in. So there you go, listeners. And I, I just love this as well. Sorry. Yeah, good. No, you go. Look, I, look, I went there and, and listen, the cream's not as good as it is here. When, when you lick your ass in Cyprus, it just doesn't taste quite the same. I mean, we do criticize him, but I am picturing Chansiri leaving a bowl of cream out atop one of his elephants. And bish bash bosh, our Cockney Kitty is on a Whiskers Temptation-based appearance, V. I would also love to see Hutch hooked up on some catnip. I mean, it would be nice to see him rolling on the ground, not from an injury for a change, but purely that is tripping balls on the nip. <laughs> I've got to, I mean, nobody else is doing it, so I'm going to do it. Mm. I've got to pat myself on the back. Old Mystic Miller here. I did say, I think it'd be, his, his family are not into the new situation. Mm. The the deal here will be, you know, pretty much in our favour. And it's pretty much confirmed in the in the press, uh, the interview with the, you know, the press. I, I nearly called it a press conference, but I don't think that's what that is, is it? It's just a little interview you give to the local paper that they whack mm. up on YouTube. But yeah, you know, the the I suppose exacerbated by the old Panny D. His home life was suffering from being away, and the deal that he's signed here is sort of based on him achieving goals and playing games. Mm. And uh, so, I. I think the the sort of plus the things in the pro column have, have kind of all been confirmed, which is good, and hopefully we don't get to see any sign of the uh, the other 
Mm. The, 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 the mirroring column of cons. Do you find it funny that, like, basically, some of a signing that we weren't particularly looking forward to? Like, I, I, someone put it brilliantly. I think it might have been it might have been Peter Lowen on Twitter who said this. Basically, said you can you can you can basically agree with both points by saying that you know, in terms of personnel, it's it's not a bad signing for free, mm. but you can also say that's a damning indictment of a lack of vision from this club. Like, oh yeah, this is this is where we are in life you know yeah it's it's mawkish it's depressing mm-hmm. but it's also maybe the best that we can do in this situation so um, it can be things at once and also you know a badge kissing full of pr rhetoric conference by sam hutchinson mm-hmm. was the most enjoyable thing from this week prior to today certainly yes yeah and i think the other thing is you know we know we need some bodies and i don't know if we were ever going to get the kind of promised january but pulis was sort of talking about us a kind of transformative turn the whole club around style transfer window um whether or not that was ever more than a pie in the sky bit of nonsense i don't know <laughs> but to go from that to what we've had which is essentially signing before signing sam hutchinson signing a guy that we could have signed at any point this season mm. who was released by a club in the summer mm-hmm. uh, i mean even even by our own pretty withering standards uh, a disappointing uh, damp squib of a window thus far and not expected to get much more exciting in the next few days mm. so I think getting somebody somebody another player in is is a good job in midfield we've often been left with a choice of what you know exactly the number of players that play in midfield for us so and well Andy's an option at the back as we as we found out today so let's move along to some of the other bits and pieces uh so the first one I've got listed down is that uh Eric Alonso quitting seems just five minutes ago that he was arriving yeah I <laughs> I still really don't know what to make about this uh, I think there was a lot of like when he kind of came onto the scene there was a lot of the usual kind of world of Al's talk digging into his past and finding out that he's you know not really the person that he's presenting him to be mm. so there's a lot of questionable things about his history he's then gone taking selfies with some important people that seems to be the <laughs> wasn't there something about him selling PPE on LinkedIn about six months ago right okay oh good yeah, I mean, it, it really is different shades of Jeff Sheard, isn't it, really? Quite possibly. I, this is how bad things are, though, because, you know, he went and everyone's like, good, he's a chancer, you know. But I'm, I'm going to say, like, the, the positive of this is he's someone who came in and gave, like, a bit of false hope to the fans. <laughs> to me, it gave, like, me a little bit. It was it was some of the better kind of Twitter drama. Yeah, I I think what... Not knowing much about him at all, mm. I think I think that the notion or the theory that Chinsiri was looking for some more help beyond his very limited soundboard, mm. if that felt like maybe a bit of a positive in and of itself, yeah. Um, but it really, I mean, it's hilarious how short-lived this whole thing was. So maybe, maybe this, but so you, it's hard to know. I think undoubtedly being linked with some fresh blood to give advice and maybe look after the day-to-day of the football club, because mm. there is just this feeling that it's like action and business as normal is a tap that gets turned on and off 
when Death John, you know, like the eye of Sauron, uh, you know, when his eye is on Wednesday, <laughs> things work and happen. And then when he's doing whatever else, I don't want to, you know, make guesses to his day to day. But, um, you know, when he's on his holly jobs or whatever, nothing at all happens yeah. uh, to the point where deadlines get missed and things don't get filed and things don't get yeah. signed. And yeah. so... The the idea of having another person or another you know another high level person or two involved felt like a positive thing. Alonso leaving maybe it's a good thing because Chancery saw through this you know shyster fly by night you know wrong one, which I guess is good to get rid of. But then it's also well how did he get his foot in the door in the first place? Mm. The other side of it is well this is just another in a long line of advisors that have come and gone fallen by the wayside had a quick I mean, holiday at sheffield wednesday <laughs> yeah the list is stunning at this mm. point frankly i wouldn't call them the great and the good but mm. <laughs> a storied number of people have been through the revolving doors at, at chin series right hand tied to that we've now we've also now been linked with is it david webb as technical director mm. harry webb David Webb, I think. Been linked up to the internet. Uh, the Harry Webb was a joke, really. But um, uh, yeah, <laughs> formerly of Huddersfield, we seem to have a bit of a weird obsession with Huddersfield. But he's been offered a job as technical director, not for, not not um, sporting or football director. But um, I, in terms of models to follow, <laughs> up until eighteen months ago, you probably would have said that Huddersfield had done quite a good job in in that kind of building long-term project building a kind of solid base of young players having an identity to the way they played etc i think that they were doing an okay job of that but then yeah no it's it's weird with this because uh, this was sky sports reporting this and then local press have said these reports are wide of the mark yeah right yeah it's so much of this i mean we, we, there's more to talk about uh, but so much of this would be, I think we've, we've maybe even said the phrase before, but like where there's the where there's an absence of truth and knowledge, mm. speculation will sort of have its day. And mm -hmm. so, you know, so much of this is there's a kind of shroud around the club mm. and how they interact with how it interacts with the world i mean rich we'll never know the true story and maybe we'll have to wait for a long time for all of this to come out but i i'd like to take this opportunity to seem i think it seems i, I forgive me for this rich i think it seems like the perfect time to announce the luke and rich pen strokes theme chancery musical is this it featuring when it started won't decide, but he won't debate. He's an arrogant <laughs> tuna magnate. And last season, he said, don't worry about FFP, because we have friends. But now we have no friends. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> oh, that's going to be good for people. I mean, that's the thing. When when hard times strike, I think great art is, is made. Exactly, exactly. And that's... that's the, the world, you know, the world revolving around Sheffield Wednesday is no different in that regard. Just to kind of feed, you know, feed another couple of non sequitur sort of bits and pieces into this mm -hmm. mix. We've we've had, I guess, a kind of official no from Paul Cook. He's turned down the idea of taking the job on on a short term deal. Mm -hmm. We've been linked with a kind of footballing mercenary in, although, a, you know, a, a tactical visionary at some points in his career, but he's now an old, an old, rugged, 
worn down man. But Henk Ten Kate has apparently also been offered deal, the, a short term deal at the club. Do you think we're just kind of spinning the Rolodex and just calling contacts and offering them six months at Sheffield Wednesday? It seems now? that way. I still start. I'm still sort of of the opinion that I think I think the best we can do at the moment is just kind of give Thompson. Yeah, I know. Give Thompson to the end of the season. I know. Um, and I was thinking about this this week, though that got a bit rocky because I I felt like every day that passes, the more sense it makes to just give it to Thompson to the end of the season. Well, it's the desperation to, I don't know, this flinging the job at anybody. It's this so, it just would nice to do. I, I, I don't expect a, a 10 year plan or a five year plan. I, I, Accept that the you know this is a difficult situation the club is in on several fronts, and even our kind of you know the league that we pitch up in next season is up in the air, and and that holds with it huge huge changes. If we if we end up going down, there's masses. The club will almost be unrecognisable. I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Come uh, come the start of next season. So I, I appreciate there's all this kind of going on. So. Planning for the long term or the longer term is difficult yeah. in the midst of that. I was thinking if we do go down, it would be nice to be in a position to not be able to um, afford uh, Dawson and Wildsmith's wages. That would be nice. Yeah. It'd be a bit like, I don't know, if you, my my poor ex-wife who, um, she she lost everything in the Calgary flood. She had a basement suite oh, wow. and she lived very yeah. close down to where I live, where I, well, if now down by the river and basically just the entirety of everything had just was you know gutted and flooded out and i obviously that's a very traumatic time for her and i'm not trying to kind of make any light of this i just i think about how with wednesday it, it feels a bit like we kind of need to just flood out everything you know yeah it's uh it, it would be fascinating to have the last 18 months again with fans at the ground mm. Because I think people on Twitter, people on Al's talk, it's a percentage. It's a, it's probably kind of a better representative sample of the fan base than we get at like polls for elections and things like that. Because mm. often those are based on a thousand conversations or so, and then they kind of make a, a prediction of how millions of people <laughs> will will act. In um, so, so it's but it's hard to know how much of what we see and what we feel is. It's how everybody's feeling. I, I think most fans, and we've sort of experienced this in real life before, the the majority, maybe a, maybe a thin majority, but the majority of people who go to matches and follow Sheffield Wednesday do not read all the stuff about the chairman and do not follow the politics of the club and just kind of go along, pay their money, go home. Maybe they go home early, not casting aspersions at all. So it, would be, it just would be interesting to know, because obviously the football's been so bad since uh since last christmas mm. so i think monk would have struggled to survive fan reactions in person i think he wouldn't probably would have gone before the end of the season that would be my guess yes. yeah but then also uh, you know what what pressure could we bring to bear if any yeah on on chancery and the and the and the changes and yeah. the, and the position he's in because I, I mean I know this you know sack the board or whatever you know we've had those sort of protests 
that's sort of a hilarious thing because they're not going to sack themselves. But if they can find someone to kind of, <laughs> it's a fine line because I don't agree with people abusing people on, you know, don't go chasing at and saying horrible things to him. But <laughs> it's a presence that and a and a kind of vocal pressure that that could be brought in person that is not really ref- easy to replicate online or at a distance. So all of this chaos is happening in the face of a a silent absent fan base yeah exactly i don't know it's just it's such a strange position to be in because it's maddening what's going on and it seems to be getting weirder and worse and i don't know that we've got a free weekend at any point in terms of fixtures I think we're game to game pretty much, but um, mm-hmm. it would be nice. It would be interesting if we had like an international break. I, I'm almost morbidly intrigued as to what happens to clubs in this. I, I'm just, I feel like we're a basket case club at this stage. Yeah. Maybe that's like, yeah. Ooh, big, big news. Uh, <laughs> but I've watched on with a mix of kind of horror and amusement at Cardiff and Hull. And those are the two that spring to mind. I'm probably forgetting others. But, you know, chairmen that just seem to pick fights where they don't need to, mm-hmm. that do things, do things in strange ways, make odd decisions, almost feels like decisions against their own interest at times. Yeah. And I, I think that was an interesting thing with Alonso. It's, it's kind of a bit like every, every narrative that comes out within the media, you naturally believe it because I think it's the same thing with everybody in every walk of life. It would be stressful and it would be, it would be sheer like it would induce madness in everybody if you went around just just denying everybody's what everybody says to you yeah like i I don't think anybody has the energy or the mental fortitude to conduct themselves with such a handle in this world so as a wednesday fan i naturally just take i i've naturally for so long taken everything about chancery up to a certain point Mm. you know as believing it as you know, not the gospel, but his truth. I don't yeah. believe that anymore. So the whole thing with Alonso is, I don't, you know, the man obviously has his own bent and his own drive and his own agenda that he wants to push, but he he seems a lot more credible than Mr. Chancery does. Yeah. So, yeah, I, that's, that's the really mixed thing that comes up with. And... In all this process, this talks about we can kind of, sorry, this is such a difficult to look back at this week. So we, we talked about Cook, right? Br- briefly, yeah. yeah. We so did, yeah. Uh, maybe jumping ahead in the narrative here, but Chancery kind of came out in the media and said, so interestingly enough, he seemed to have some words with, I don't know if it was specifically Dom Housen or the journalist team at ex- the Yorkshire Live, the Examiner Live people, to come out and say he put out something in the press to say that Paul Cook was very unprofessional yeah but I've, I've never seen anything belying any degree of professionalism from him or at least or at least to be fair his truth and his concept of professionalism is a long way removed from a lot of peoples on this planet but that, that's the i sort of said shroud the shroud around the club but it, i mean for better or worse he has you know i don't want to get into like there's the philosophy of the club what the club is where the club's you know What's the club? What's the the team? What's the you know? I, I, undoubtedly, you know, the fans are the 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 kind of <laughs> the long term legacy of the football club, mm. the Wednesday, the spirit of. But he is the sole owner. He's the face. He's sponsoring the shirts. He's got his name across the stands. You know, for 
I suppose for kind of biz- the entity, the business entity of Sheffield Wednesday is Chancery. So when I say the shroud around the club, I guess I mean the shroud around him because we never hear from him and then we do hear from him and often it's perplexing sometimes. But I never want to hear from him because every time I do hear from him, it's just bad. (laughs) This is the whole thing. It's like, can we have an interview with Mr. Chancery? And then it comes in and then it's like, why did we, why did, why did we wish for that? You know, he's just a grumpy man that says no to all the things that you want to happen. And yes, to the things that you hope never happen. Pretty much. (laughs) And once again, Pay, players haven't been paid. Uh, that's what we're being told. Right. This, this, uh... So, you know, hilariously that like someone else made us comment on Twitter, like this was the thing he chose to come out and talk about. A lack of professionalism from yeah. some rumours and conjecture online regarding the media and Paul Cook. Of which, if we're buying this, if which we're going down this rabbit hole, there's a, there's a whole thing with, so Nancy Frostick from The Athletic came out and said, basically, that it had been offered or had it broached to him, probably by Eric Alonso, which seems to be the narrative. And that seems to be yeah. kind of a lot of, I know I'm doing a bit of, I think we've all done a bit of Pepe Silviering, you know, like tying the, yeah. tying the links together with all these things. So, you know, and Alan Biggs said this and said, you know, I've, I've no doubt that he was spoken to by someone who claims to be on behalf of Sheffield Wednesday. Yeah. But that has been broached in some degree. Also, Chancery seems to have some conflicting ideas about Eric Alonso, whether he was an advisor, he wasn't. I seem to, there seems to be a bit in his interview where he, previous interview, he conf, conflicted against himself the last time we heard from him in a press conference. So, like, this is this is all fine. I don't... But he doesn't need to come out and debunk things. But that, yeah. But that is almost... That's the baffling and frustrating thing, is the things that we get told. As you say, it's not a straight narrative. So it, it, it would be one thing if it's like, oh, well, you know, as you say, Mr. Chancery, he... He lives in Thailand, life's in Thailand, different time zone, different, you know, different world, different language. Um, doesn't speak up much, doesn't talk to the press much, but when he does, you know, you always feel like you're getting a straight bat and he's a he's a decent guy. I think probably to the example of that kind of benevolent but but absent, Mandaric was kind of that when he was the, the chairman. Like yeah. there were periods of time where like weeks and months went by and you're like, oh, it'd be really good to hear from the chairman what's actually going on here. And then he would pop up on his underwater phone on, on Radio Sheffield and, and it felt like he was having a honest, open conversation where he was mm. just explaining things trying to dampen down ill feeling. But what happens with Chancery is it will be like a, sometimes he will talk to the press for hours, but never actually address the things that people are interested or worried about. And I, one of the things, you know, this this mounting ill feeling and questioning of things, you know, that, that vast big mm. long press conference, the, the main thing he complained about was people I've sort of touched on it I don't I, I'm, I'm absolutely against it but the main thing he talked about was oh yeah people were, not, were mean to or people said horrible things to at on social media yeah. okay th- yes but what about all the other stuff and it's all it reminds yeah. me of unfortunately <laughs> are these not good memories to bring back but it's like Dave Allen mm. you are running this football ground, club into the ground you're producing worse and worse results every year and then he would come out and moan about how the fans had been mean to his grandchildren yeah and you're like yeah okay but this is a thing people love maybe people yeah. will care too much. we were probably as guilty as anybody but maybe people care too much about it but he wants us to be loyal obedient followers when it suits him and he wants to be treated like a 
business that he owns when it suits him you can't have both mm. but there's always i mean there's always there's always you know he does t- seem to take a lot of things very personally yeah. which seems to be one of the faults of his character and i mean that's that's never acceptable but unfortunately it, Unfortunately, there's always a percentage of that within that world, within that ilk of like a personal family attack. And that's not justified, but that's just the sheer percentage of people and communication that happens. Like there are going to be some idiots who are like, I, I don't know, saying nasty things about his son. Yeah. That doesn't justify it, but that doesn't that doesn't make up for, that doesn't paint a picture of everyone in total, but he seems to think it is. And that always seems to be the narrative. It always seems to be the Wednesday fans are really negative. That That's why, oh, we had this, we had this offer on this table for this giant sponsorship. Oh, oh but, yeah. but then, oh, but then they looked on Twitter, you know, they're ready to sign, but then suddenly someone went, oh, let's look at the estimate. WSC hashtag and they found that Twitter which is a social media which is a pit of negativity oh it it tends to be a pit of negativity what a surprise it's social media I was chatting with my chatting with my uh, chatting with uh, my old sister-in-law kind of ex-sister-in-law type thing who was telling me just how like Clubhouse which seems to have been kind of taken very much as a a piece for a a lot of uh, a lot of the black community seems to be very negative and seems to be like it seems to have come out that way and it seems to be unfortunately just the nature of a lot of social media there's not a lot of it that's really positive even i i feel instagram is fairly positive but then i don't ever i I see a glimpse of the sheffield wednesday comments and there's a lot of people either throwing barbs at someone or trying to you know preparing the um the razor blades for their wrists themselves you know the attack is going instagram is (laughs) yeah sorry go on (laughs) no that's it i'm just saying that this is the nature of social media so he just seems very out of touch with any kind of great collection of what is going on in the world and yeah i i appreciate the point you're bringing up that he's not addressing the points that we want to see addressed no but then to be fair also this is a fan base is naturally going to be divert dive so divided that some people are going to be upset about Gary Teal's two-seater Bentley, for example. Yes, right? That, yeah. that sometimes... And it, it <laughs> there's no detriment to those people. He was probably in that situation being like, this doesn't feel right to me. But, you know, if you applied some critical thinking, that wouldn't be one of the big things. No, but then yeah. obviously there's elements of this fan base who are concerned about the accounts, who are concerned about the day-to-day running of this club, concerned about the vision on the pitch and off the pitch. Like the funny thing for like for me is like, you know, there's a lot of questions. Some people did some polls on Twitter to be like, are you falling out of love with Sheffield Wednesday? And for me, it's like, well, no, I mean, it's it's a really, really bad period. But I remember what Sheffield Wednesday means to me as an identity and means to probably a lot of people. In a weird yeah. way, though, like a football club, really, what it should mean to people is effectively the memories you have of going and seeing football being played and those memories that you share with the people around you, both the people you know and the people who you don't know as part of the crowd. And outside of that, it's like some kind of PR pieces, really. We're also getting none... (laughs) I think you're absolutely right. That that side of football is is a huge part of it. It's also the shared experience. Yes. You know, there is yeah. a there is a religiosity to following a football club. We are all standing together. We're all singing the same song. You know, it's not people call it say it's you know like a church or like a religion. It's it, though the the uh, parallels are not a million miles away from what happens on a Sunday morning in in churches. You know, 
we are all we all care and believe in this thing we all stand together we all mm. you know maybe some people there's probably a grade of how many people mark themselves out on the opposite you know just like within faiths some people are faithful because they hate the other options and some people are faithful because they love their choice and in same within football some people love you know our fierce fierce Sheffield Wednesday fans out of a love of Sheffield Wednesday and that manifests itself in a lot of positivity other people are fans of Sheffield Wednesday because they hate Sheffield United and it's all about how we can get one over on the pigs etc um but we're all in the we're all part of the same broad pardon the pun church when it comes to that but we're not having that we're not having the positive collective for two reasons <laughs> one we we currently follow a team that find it extremely hard to win any games of football so those positive moments are few and far between and two we're not together so we are not sharing any of that warmth and togetherness <laughs> we're not in the same space as you say because all social media is just an awful pit i think instagram people say oh, instagram is more positive or better it's not it's just that twitter is all the comments section and instagram like a magazine lets you decide whether or not you scroll down and read the comments <laughs> that's the difference it's not more positive people are awful yes. wherever they can yes, congregate. Yes, 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 it's yes. just you you have the option of whether or not to peer under the rock at all the, the you know the earwigs and woodlouse on instagram <laughs> Um, <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's one more bit of news to cover in terms of the, the, the midweek match. I think we should get to that. But I just want to say before we get there, thank you so much for the, the positive reviews. Um, you are all shiny and wonderful people. And um, thank you in particular to uh, Raran, Taliban and Ek of Owl. Um, lovely things. Thank you so much. I mean, it, there's a slight hollow ring because we did ask people to do that but um it actually still didn't take away from how yes. um yeah. how you know buoyed up um i felt as a result and uh, mm. yeah thank you all so much and also thanks to the russian porn bots that took us to seventh in the apple soccer podcast charts in russia this week big news we're making big noise in russia folks um you know it's just it's just good to know it's good to know we've got other options like edward snowden at some point we could <laughs> We could rush into the arms of Mother Russia if it all goes bad for us. <laughs> if, if we if we say the wrong thing, if we if we do if we make a broad brush statement about Greece, Cyprus, and most of the Middle East uh, and their cuisine, that sort of thing, we could um, <laughs> we could disappear um, into uh, yeah the snowy snowy region. Um, so Coventry, Coventry, a hundred <laughs> appearances for Joey Pelopassi. Yeah, Pester uh... Spencer. Money, Lil Joey, Lil Joey, and what better way to announce a centennial appearance for Joey Pelopesi with <laughs> a very limp, dour, dour loss to loss to Coventry on on a quagmire of a pitch, quagmire on probably one of the wettest evenings on record in Birmingham. It was grim. Um, that pitch is really not responding well to to having two football teams playing on it mm. at the moment. Who'd have thunk it? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we brought Westwood back in. Mm -hmm. um, Penny came in for a rare, a rare start, mm -hmm. and Hotch was straight in that midfield with, uh, yeah. as you say, Centennial Man Joey Pelopesi and uh, Barry Bannon. I've not got, <laughs> I've got to say, I've not got miles and miles of notes from this one. It was not uh, the most 
action-packed of games. No. And interestingly enough, I mean, until we conceded, I I thought it was okay. It was, uh, you know, it yeah. was lacking in teeth up front. That was very much the story of the game. But I thought there was quite a bit I quite enjoyed up until then, I must say, in terms of performance. Yeah. I thought it was probably... I've certainly seen worse Sheffield Wednesday performances this season. Well, yes. Yeah. That's... If we're grading on a scale, this was this was not half bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. But then I, it, it's one of those, how many times have we had this frustration of the keeper on the opposite team looking very, very shaky and, and in particular, mm. a couple of sort of early efforts and, and the, the best one of those being Bannon's set piece where he, he played a long, long way back to Penny and Penny sort of, you know, fizzed one through the a crowd of bodies, and uh, the ref was lucky. Uh, the ref, the goalkeeper was very lucky not to just knee it or palm it into his his net behind him. And he looked, he looked like he was awful. Um, mm. He looked pretty bad when he got the ball, uh, played, you know, played in around the back, and he was dealing with just simple kind of getting the play going again. But I don't remember us testing him after that Penny shot. Really, no, no, that was that was pretty much it. I'll be honest. I mean, I even commented to you that he looked a very, very shaky goalkeeper, and yeah. and then having a uh, you know sharing Mystic Miller's uh, crystal ball to look into and say he's probably going to keep a clean sheet then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> an all too familiar feeling. Mm-hmm. There was a couple of like missed. Uh, you know, we we had some good like half opportunities or almost moments, and um, when Bannon kind of took the ball off their defensive midfielder and it was pretty much kind of two on two um, just outside their box. He then re- he got overexcited and over- hit the pass straight out of play, basically. But that was a real opportunity, a better bit, a better quality ball or a bit more, a bit more thought could have, could have easily turned that into something. And similarly around the hour mark or, or just before they scored, really Bannon played a lovely ball into Windass in space on the edge of their box and he tried to take the ball down and beat the man and set himself for a shot all in the same touch and, <laughs> and did not do any of them he just sort of trapped it against the floor and it squirmed under his foot um, and then pretty much they went up the other end and, and scored their goal uh, the first goal do you think just in terms of pivotal moments do you think the ref sort of bottled a decision on on that foul on Windass? Do you think it could have been a red? I can't recall. I'm so sorry. Well, Windass got sort of in behind their defensive line and their player took him out. Yes. No, that was, that was... He was given a yellow for it, but... Thinking that was a a red, that was a last man situation. Yeah. 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 It would be nice to have referees explain why they make certain decisions Mm. (laughs) sometimes. Because that was a... That was... um, that was that should have been a straight red. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He he was just going to run in and have a shot. That was the the next thing that was going to happen. No, nobody was going to catch him from the Coventry team. We had a great save from Westwood and also Hutchinson's face. That was, um, I suppose, a good moment defensively. And then again, this sort of deja vu all over again. Feeling ninety first minute sucked in at a throw, far too narrow on that side. They had one man that was not joining in with the fray and um, Penny was probably arguably, arguably a bit sort of poor in his positioning. 
and they had a very simple finish to make it make it two nil. <sighs> a frustrating game, it has to be said, uh, mm. especially having having beaten Coventry maybe less than a month ago. Yeah, it, it just. I know that's the nature of kind of games back to back and ones at home and ones away, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I just don't, <laughs> I, I sort of te- I text a version of this to you um, in frustration at the end of the game, but like this broadly is a fairly simple game that I think people overcomplicate more often than not. Yes. But we, we beat Coventry at home. We had a game plan that was pretty effective. And part of that was, and, and we t- we did talk about it on the podcast, so maybe it's another Mystic Miller thing. This, there's definitely a lot of confirmation bias in this um, arguably this burgeoning reputation I have as Mystic Miller. Uh, but <laughs> so I said I said Joey Pelipesi had had a good game because O'Hara is like the heartbeat of their attacking threat, and we hadn't heard a peep out of O'Hara because Pelipesi had stayed on him all game and. We moved Pelopesi forward. We changed his role and played Hutchinson in deep, Hutchinson in the hole with O'Hara. And I, I, I'm not criticising Hutchinson personally. I thought he did okay. I don't think he did. He had a bad game. But O'Hara comes away with two assists from this game. So just on the face of it, that's pretty annoying to not just repeat the number we did on their good player. It's, uh, yeah, it felt like... <laughs> a, a a game a, a game and a result that was symptomatic of uh, the week that the team was having. <laughs> mm-hmm. Anything else for, from you before we get on to the game against Preston? No, let's 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 put that behind us and move on. Okay, let's move on. We played uh, Preston North End, Luke. We did. <laughs> a game I was looking forward to the least. Of I think many, many a game I can think about this, uh, this, this just doing this podcast in general. I'd say aren't they strangely a team? I always think that we do badly against Preston, but I think in actual fact, what happens is we do badly at their place, and we do quite well against them at Hillsborough. Yes. Is that right? Yes, I think that is true. I think that oh. is something that's quite interesting. Not, it's hard to know what there is to that because Preston have spent this transfer window actually shedding quite a few of the players mm. that I think me make up the <laughs> my picture of Preston mm-hmm. looms large in that he's gone Pearson looms large in that he's gone to our, our midweek opponents Bournemouth mm-hmm. so yeah it's sort of interesting that <laughs> I'm saying like oh we do well against x football club or the y football club when a lot of the pieces <laughs> that make up that football club um have changed around a lot in in recent years so we had a we had sort of a, the rarest of start rare starts for kachunga we went to a three three center back sort of arrangement so five at the back or three at the back depending on how you kind of count that with lees hutch and urigide making up the the third um sort of the third tranche of the <laughs> of the uh, defense there on the left um matt penny kept his place and but this time he's playing left wing back and, and Palmer played right wing back so interesting sort of t- team did what, what did you did you have any kind of initial reaction or thoughts to the team as it as it was laid out it was really strange because I was wondering whether this is I, I think it kind of manifests itself as a like you said that that, that back three but it was weird mm. to see because I was like is this going to be a is this a four at the back 
Like, yeah. Wondering whether it was going to be Palmer at center back with Lees and then Penny, Penny and Azaze. It, it's, it's so interesting to see, you know, Sam Hutchinson play in a position where I think a lot of us as fans think that he's going to be in a position to play. But it's so rare that he's actually played center back for Sheffield Wednesday, right? Yeah. And it was, I think it's interesting because he, <laughs> he almost he gravitates towards that position anyway. Mm. We're just calling it what it is, which is a, a different take on things. So rather, he often does play sit as a third centre back, normally to find space. But he, yeah, he's you know he's he was he was consistently and officially there and and looking at kind of average player positions. He was the he was the deepest player, outfield player on the pitch for, for Sheffield mm. Wednesday. And then kind of Pelopesi sat in front of those three and Bannon and Bannon and Reach kind of making up the the other the other three in that midfield with Reach again pl- dropping into his sort of pivot type role that we've we've talked long and hard about. Um and Patterson and Kachunga playing up front. It felt very Yos Lukai type uh, type era stuff. It if it yeah crazy i mean i i'm glad it kind of panned out that way but initially i was looking at this and thinking because i was for so long at the beginning thinking it was a back four thinking um oh man penny you know penny it's uh pe- you know penny at the left back just it, yeah I, it's weird we have so many especially that left that left kind of berth on the wing you know depending on who it is and you know we obviously mentioned and brought in adam reach like there's a real question as to you know what type of players that we have that's playing there and i've never felt penny's never been a left back for me he's never really been much of a winger i think a left wing back is probably more of his better position i would say yeah it's strange isn't it because he did come into the team i think as as a left back having mm. been a left winger as a youth player and then as as often happens with young players there was a lot of like well wait till we see him in his real position he's gonna you know that'll be when we really see him kind of take off um, cause he's a, he's a left, he's playing left back, but he's a left winger. And then actually he tended to be really disappointing when he was pushed forward yeah. further up the pitch. But as you say, maybe, maybe left wing back is a sweet spot there in that he, maybe there's less pressure on him defensively. There's, there's the safety blanket of that, that left-sided center back to kind of dovetail with him and mm-hmm. hopefully make up make up for any gaps that are left. But I feel in the wing back position, there's less expectation of, an offensive nature, right? There's less burn on you than being in a winger position because then that's that's essentially like there is some defensive work that comes with that, within that responsibility. If you're playing a 4-4-2, like that is to be expected, yeah. but the large onus is of you to attack. And he's not quite it's there. Very yeah. You know? Yeah. He did put in a couple of good crosses today. He did. He did. Yeah. A bigger issue today was actually not getting enough support into the box because I think we had a few mm. created a few decent chances that we didn't have anybody there to to make the best of. What did you make um, to Kachunga starting? Well, I think I've sort of said before, I, for me, there's, I would like to see him given, knowing that there will, even knowing that there will be anonymous sections or bad performances in the mix, mm. I'd like to see him given more game time because yeah. I feel like if we can get the best out of Kachunga, he's going to be a better option than almost anybody else we have as a striking option. But you know, beyond, I think Patterson is is kind of first choice for for a reason. Windass, I think, does a different sort of role. Uh, I would hope, I would think. 
But, um, you know, out, out of that <laughs> other group that Marriott Rhodes, I think Chunga's got the most, to borrow an American phrase, upside. Yeah. yeah. And I want to see us give him the time. I suppose we've got Green now as well, which complicates things even further. Yeah. I mean, it seems to be from the previous regimes, it seems to be, it seems to think that Neil Thompson likes, very much likes a fast player, a pace, you know, a mm. winger kind of thrust up front. So yeah. Green and Kachunga kind of have certain degrees of that, different players, but they share a bit of commonality with that, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's fair to say. I think that's fair enough. And I, I thought I thought he had a... a a pretty good, particularly first half Kachunga. I thought, I thought he had made a pretty good fist of things. I think he kind of held the ball intelligently, moved it on, and tried to bring others into the game. He was probably a little, a touch quiet for my liking, but I think that's sort of it's just a tough shift being up front for Sheffield Wednesday at this point in time. Mm. There's just there's a huge <laughs> barren desert between the midfield that mostly does defending and uh, and the attacking options. What did you think? What did you make of Kachunga being in there? And what did you think of him starting? Again, it's the same situation. I, I like, I really like the idea of Elias Kachunga. I'd like to see him give him more game time. It's, it's not kind of like a begrudging admission that, you know, maybe if we play, if, if Jordan Rhodes played 40, 40 odd games a season, you know, I'm I'm curious like what the return would be, but it's not mm. an experiment I really want to see us go through with. <laughs> Kachunga no. on the is like the opposite of that. Kachunga is someone who that upside, you know, has a lot yeah. of different kind of a lot of different mini tools in his toolbox that can help us out in situations. So I'm I'm glad. I'm just a bit surprised, really. Yeah, it felt sort of out of the blue, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, so. The other th- the other thing just of note, uh, just at the very first point, wow, that pitch is looking bad. It looks so chewed up at that near mm-hmm. side, mm-hmm. and it's bobbling a lot. Like you know, it's it's a ball rolling along the ground and then ending up kind of crotch height with the bobbles. That is a pretty significant bobble in the pitch. So I have no idea what it's like to run along, but the ball is not running true in many areas on that on that. Uh, that near touchline, it really, yeah, really looks bad. Not quite as boggy as the uh, the, the 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 pitch at St Andrews, but um, it's yeah, it's looking worse for wear. It's got to be said. I thought we started pretty brightly, and in particular, I, I liked that chance that Patterson sort of carved out for himself. You, they Preston sort of failed to clear a corner, and it, it worked its way in. Patterson was sort of just inside the box, and he he, he carved out a little niche of space for himself and then almost killed the ball into the top corner i thought that was a, a very decent effort another keeper that looked pretty shaky it has to be said today i know the uh, the commentators noticed as much um particularly with the ball at his feet he um he looked he looked a bit rocky at times mm-hmm. yeah we seemed to put him under a lot of pressure didn't we i mean we we played a bit of a high press which was nice to see it's nice to see we're not just just standing off teams and letting us go at us you know we're applying pressure there but we there were quite a few instances of us closing down the keeper was it levinson is his name yes closing down levinson repeatedly and him kind of spunking it out for a throw in for us oh everson so everson or everson yes yeah yeah he really did uh yeah he really did struggle under that pressure and as you say nice to see us press um 
again, I think to, to name check Peter Lohman on, on um, I saw I saw him sort of commenting saying that we we actually press less than any other team in the yeah. championship, and yeah. it's to our own detriment mm-hmm. because we've actually got players that are pretty decent at pressing the ball. But yeah, nice to see nice to see a bit of that. I think intelligent pressing is the thing. I, I do think you can go. Yeah, there are times where a kind of full onset of pressing just looks like kids in the park kind of chasing after the ball, and I think that that has its downsides yeah. as well. Yeah. But, but intelligent pressing, properly kind of you know, working on proper trigger points and things like that can be can be very effective and not absolutely knacker out every member of the squad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought, by and large, uh, there's several moments. I think the first of them was sort of the 22nd minute that Hutch, Hutch blocked um, a pretty good chance for, for Preston. Yes. But I thought, by and large, he, was, he really occupied that role rather well because mm-hmm. he has that... It buys him the time on the ball to... to at least think about a, a bit more of an adventurous pass. He didn't always take the option. Sometimes he decided against it. Um, we did have a couple that were kind of gobbled up, but by and large, I thought he was quite intelligent in the choices he took and the choices he turned down and uh, when he played it simple. But having that little bit of time and belief in yourself to to take a touch and maybe cut back and think about your options, that's something that we don't, really have with Tom Lee's and it was just quite nice to see you know he looked very cultured Mm -hmm. in that role Mm -hmm. like a yogurt you've left in the fridge for too long (laughs) Uh, (laughs) couldn't resist (laughs) I don't have my my next note really is the goal but um, I don't know if you've got other bits and pieces I'm happy to sort of tarry for a a little spell I did I'm glad you picked up on the 10th minute Uh, I was a bit staggered Patterson missed that one it seemed like a really golden chance I must say yeah he was really kicking himself afterwards as well yeah um, the 13th minute, I thought there was a brilliant bit of stroking around with a lovely pass and move from Bannon and Kachunga. I thought they linked up very well. Mm. That was a perfect kind of pass that you want to see in towards the byline with an overlapping player from Bannon. Really yeah. kind of, you know, showed just how cultured and excellent he is on the ball. Kachunga, you know, cuts back and then, you know, Patterson kind of put it wide. That was a, you know, it was a bit of a difficult opportunity. Yeah, yeah. I was, it wouldn't be a Sheffield Wednesday game without Kieran Westwood giving me a little bit of kittens. I, the 18th minute, that one where I can't remember who it was, so Preston did a curling effort. Mm. Westwood seemed to spill it. Did that thing where he got his, his chest a bit, didn't Yeah. He? I think one of the journalists on Twitter, I think, said, oh, there was, I think that would have been Nancy Frostick, said it took a bit of a bounce that kind of threw him. But it 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 didn't. It, it was. Like 40 it's 50. one of those where you like you're beckoning it into your kind of your bread basket kind of thing, aren't mm. you? So you got your hands ready and you're just gonna you let it hit your stomach and you kind of scoop it up. But yeah, it, it sort of bounced slightly higher than he was expecting, so it kind of it bounced off his uh, higher up in his chest. Right. Uh, but at least then he ha- he still had the wherewithal <laughs> or the experience to make it bounce you know, all the way left of his goal. He didn't let mm-hmm. it bounce straight out in front of him, which is which was probably the saving grace in terms of that not turning into a, a howler or a, a, a an error causing a goal. I love that moment of the 23rd minute where we, we did some really great pressing and we made interception. We got out to reach. He whipped in a lovely curling great ball kind of at the front mm-hmm. stick. Patterson just couldn't quite get there. 
That was really fantastic. Um, a lot of suffery kicks we seem to give away, and I don't think that was as much us, but I think that's probably a bit critical to Andre Mariner. And really typified by that moment where we actually had the ball in the net. Kachunga was a, a judge to have wrestled Sinclair off the ball. Yeah. And then obviously he had more time to keep playing on, and that's when he rifled it in. But I thought that was a little bit soft. I thought the 43rd minute, um, Hutch did a really important latch dish tackle from a really bad recovery. I think it's from Lee's. Do you remember that? It kind of Lee's kind of got a nod yeah. to it when it was kind of down in the round of box on the left and it came across and then Hutch challenged. And I thought that was a really great challenge. There was a lot of good moments from Hutch in that first half, I must say. Definitely. I was really yeah. happy to see what he did for us today. Well, that's the that was the weird. That is the kind of um, the Hutch paradox. Is he is a foaming at the mouth lunatic in midfield? Yes. But if you put him like two meters back from the midfield and ask him to play, tell him he's a centre back, he suddenly becomes a very responsible mm. member of society and like doesn't doesn't murder which, people which was the weird thing because a lot of people said you know there's a lot of fans have said this about this narrative to say he's losing you know much like a lot of players lose pace and they move back in the pitch you know in terms of their responsibilities and their role yeah it seemed like a very logical progression to move him back to center back but it we never saw it even during even during a lot of center back um issues at sheffield wednesday i i He's never, he's never been a did, giant we, disappointment for his centre back, has he? I think his run, he has had one period. I, I'm struggling now to remember which. I think it might have been under Yost, but I, I'm not sure. Um, he did have one period of consistently being centre back. I think for like between five and ten games, but I would not. I, I refuse to be pushed into a number, um, a final number there, uh, and I. I sort of feel like we started to see a few more, like the longer it went on, the bit, the fact that he's got a bit of a, I don't know, there's a bit of a too much dog in the fight kind of started to get, because I, I sort of remember it resulting in, I think it's sort of those penalties and things like that. Right. Maybe not his, I don't know. I mean, it's so long ago. It is a very vague feeling. It was like the start of one season. It was consistently, Hutch playing centre back, mm -hmm. and his disciplinary record overall was a lot better. But it's just that it felt like things started to slide a little bit. Mm. But I, I, there is a difference between between being a centre back in a two and a centre back in a three, as we yeah. keep learning yeah. again and again. And being the centre of that three, I think, is a absolutely perfect role for him because at times he can sit back and let situations develop and then see what he needs to do to react. At times, he can choose to back people up so that, uh, and he did that successfully a few times. So you kind of add to the momentum of a good piece of defensive uh, play. Um, and brought, you know, in terms of playing out from the back and having a sense and building play, he's a very comfortable operator with the ball at his feet. Mm -hmm. And there's less pressure on him. Nobody's, nobody's pushing him into errors in this situation. So, I think there's there's lots of positives about it. Um, I, I don't think it should be damning that it happened. It, you know, a few years ago, we maybe it was an experiment that we we decided against in the end. 
because it's a different time. We're a different team, and uh, and frankly, Hutch is a different player. I think he's he has slowed a bit. He's less of a naturally. He can't play at the state the same gusto that he used to because mm-hmm. he'd be done after about thirty minutes. But yeah, I think very promising. I like the look of it. I like the look of um, consistency of 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 lineup and consistency of first team has been a huge issue for us in this last you know since since last christmas really how many times have we seen a defensive performance like this and then we never see that defense again mm-hmm. i'm just what was what was the first sort of time oh. we played with three after the break palmer lees and burner was it and you're like oh this is great these three together such a great combination yeah. and then we didn't see it it's probably like eight months later we got to see those three play mm-hmm. again through injury, rotation, suspension, etc. But the, so the, for for the goal, I was just going to say. Sorry, can I just uh, hop in here just to say? So there's that moment of the 43 minutes. So that was, and then literally my next. I I don't know how quite how this transpired from my memory, and I'd love to see it back. Um, but essentially, Hutch went last win tackle. A bit more happens. We then grow on go on the break, and mm. Patterson nicks it clear going out you know he's running out onto the angle with it he puts a really he puts a nice cross i must say it was a nice cross and huntington gets on the end of it and clears it out for a throw-in which leads us to the goal yeah you can you can uh you can tap it in from here if you want (laughs) that's up to you just a real textbook long throwing, you know. Long throw working. Yeah. Brilliant. Just absolutely just from the training ground. You know, Patterson just swings this big long throwing and then it nodded on brilliantly from Lee's back to Kachunga. Kachunga heads back in and then kind of just a slight kind of bobble and Palmer just strikes it kind of home casually and cleanly. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Just um it's like something we practiced every day in training for the last for last week. Did you see how many days it's been? So it's nine years yes. since he last scored. Yes. Did you see how many days it's been? Oh, I think I read this, but please tell me. Well, if you get, uh, do you want to have a guess? And if you get within a hundred, you win the sausage of your choice. <laughs> what sausages do I have to choose from, Rich? The world, the world is your the world of sausages. Oyster, but in this case, the pearl is a sausage. Richard Miller's new documentary coming to Amazon Prime. Rich, Richie's Wednesday World of Sausages. <laughs> I love it. Um, I'm going to go for, so it's nine years. I also remember which game it was, and we were there, and I remember when he scored. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's been a big thing that stuck in my mind because <laughs> he's, you know, this is his second, not not only his second Wednesday goal, but his second career goal because he went on loan to yes. Tranmere where he didn't score and played 43 <laughs> games for them. And I actually worked out that this is approximately, it's, my dad said, oh, is that one in 150 for Liam Palmer? I said, no, I think it's about one in 142 and a half, I think. So that's where we're at in terms of, that was my my loose math on that one. Anyway, let's think, let's, how is this going to be? I'm going to go for 3,200 days. 3,430 days it is. Oh. You're so close. It, can, I, just can, I, a, can I have a chipolata for that one? Well, as a runner-up prize, you get a chipolata-sized version of whatever sausage you would have picked. <laughs> what, sauce, what sausage are you going for? Well, I just I want to see you produce a Cumberland, uh, Cumberland chipolata. A Cumberland chipolata. Yeah. Okay. Well, it'll be winging its way to you in Canada with 
you know, the, the holds ups uh, with Brexit and things like that, I probably would not eat that sausage, but you could display it wherever you like. Do you want to just um, buy it and put it in the freezer until I eventually see you, which is going to be like next okay. year? That works. Yeah, okay. That works. I was, I'm just, thought you might go more exotic, you know, like a fennel salami or something. Fennel salami. Wow. Undoja. You know, I thought you, I don't know. I, one of them German jobs with the cheese in the middle. You know, I thought, I, a, I was a, thinking you a, might go. A Kaiserwurst, go if you will. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I find that vile. It's, um, <laughs> it's too, it's too close. Too much, to, isn't it? Well, it's, it's not an experience I've had, but I can only imagine it's very like an experience of filleting a man. Um, I wondered whether ejaculate was going to be involved. <laughs> but a pretty, so a pretty decent half, and obviously yeah. with the, with all the cherry on top of that half. Of course, we know that, you know, Neil Thompson has uh, quite a bit of coaching chops. But uh, here on Different Gravy, can we exclusively reveal that he has banned oranges in the halftime oh. room? So no, no monk orangeitis to be had at halftime <laughs> anymore. He saw Adam Reach um, putting a, putting an orange to his lips, and he slapped it out of his hand. <laughs> You've not earned that orange yet. Get your head in the game. <laughs> Plenty of time for oranges when you got three points in the bag, mate. <laughs> well, we remember that time where Reach just sucked too hard on an orange and he just got it. He just he kept wincing throughout the game because it was just too sour. <laughs> that really put him off. That's many a second half under Gary Monk. I couldn't concentrate on the second half because, uh, you know, my, my mouth was full of piss. <laughs> mm. Oh, dear. So uh, in terms of notes for the second half, mm. Preston, I didn't make a note of this because I don't think any of them really amounted to a huge amount, but um, Preston came out and kind of gave it a go mm. for a little while, but it didn't didn't produce any kind of guilt edge chances. No. Until, and just, so I've got, I've, I've got notes sort of starting sort of 65th minute, 64th minute around there. Well, I also want to bring up that, like, I mean, from the beginning of the second half, we had a really great move from the off. And that was the one that yeah. kind of swung over to Penny to rifle wide. I mean, mm. if he would have connected with that and it would have rippled into the net, I, I think that would have been a TKO. I think the referee would have run over to attend to Alex Neal's concussed and bloody mug after that one. <laughs> and maybe maybe Patterson would get up on the crossbar and do a backflip in celebration. <laughs> oh, we could yeah. I it's Penny's interesting, isn't he? Because mm. I think his crossing I think he produced a couple of decent ish crosses today. His crossing by and large is 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 a bit hit and miss, but his shooting seems to be rather good oh yeah i think yeah i think he can really connect with the ball pretty well he can yeah. he can hit a ball can uh yeah can a young lad from chesey <laughs> i don't it's hard to know how you make the best of a player that has that particular set of skills because <laughs> it's like do you think then he's the anti-bannon maybe yeah yeah he's bad at everything <laughs> <laughs> That's a bit harsh, but he's not that good at everything else. And but then really good at shooting. Whereas yeah, whereas Bannon is really good at everything else, but terrible at shooting. And mind you, a little bit of for a little bit of foreshadowing for some of our later notes about Bannon shooting. Can I just say as well, I'm I'm glad I got to write down Emil Reese still being tossed. Yes, he yes. is rubbish. 
I can't believe Preston are playing him over Barcusen. Yeah. It... It's like you signed an expensive player and then the expensive players come in and then he's also generated a portfolio of pitches on Alex Neal in compromising situations. <laughs> oh dear. I've got a frightening image in my head now. Um, I like to think he's taking pictures of Alex Neal um, doing like a, a dress up in a frilly pink lace dress. That's where I went as well. <laughs> Maybe a bonnet. I think so. I think he's having a little tea party, a la Eric Cartman in, in South Park with his little, little toys. <laughs> I suppose we've got to allow for the fact that, like us, mm. they are maybe managing, you know, managing a tired squad of players. So maybe there's there's odd rotations happening, sort of like what you did at Coventry. There was odd rotations. There was players that really should not be there we, on. Should we talk about Preston? Because I think they're in an interesting position because Preston have always been a team who've always been... I feel like Blackburn have taken over from them in recent in this season. And they're a mm. team with a lot of promise who are kind of touted to be in and around the top six. And they're always yeah. kind of there. But I, I'm wondering if they're getting a bit tired and there's a bit of regeneration i mean it's huge that as you mentioned so donald fisher's gone and so is ben, oh yeah it was ben pearson touch toucher touch toucher fisher as they call touch, him touch a fisher yes <laughs> <laughs> and ben pearson's gone as well who were two pretty very much the 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 embodiment of the team in a way I that think. is the cornerstone and yeah the embodiment of preston preston Novend, and <laughs> and there are rumors that um you know, Celtic alongside Shelley, which we didn't talk about. Oh yeah, we which we haven't we didn't actually talk about. We didn't in, talk um, about Shelley in the other news. But okay, let's do a little bit of kind of quick news break in the midst of this. Um, so Liam Shaw, he got felt up so badly by us on the podcast on the Exeter episode <laughs> that he's he put a restraining order on anything Wednesday, and that's why he's looked to be agreeing a pre-contract with Celtic. Yeah. <sighs> Which is another disappointing... Yes, it's very disappointing. Could you imagine, do you think the George, the George Hurst affair will probably happen again here? In, and I, I say that also in the fact we'll probably... He ends up somewhere else. <laughs> he ends up somewhere else. We'll get, a, we'll get a pithy compensation fee for him. And also, it'll be another great missed opportunity of us not signing up a young player to another contract. And also, I'm predicting... I'm, gonna, I'm just going to borrow your crystal ball here, Rich. <laughs> I'm going to predict that he's going to get frozen out of the Sheffield Wednesday team if he signs a pre-contract agreement with Celtic. Yeah. So it may have been the last we saw of him against Exeter. Well, so... <sighs> it's, it's tricky with young players because... So look, looking at George Hurst, mm. if we had... If we'd given him what he wanted to stay at the football club, we would be cursing his... George Hurst would be as, hate, as sort of as sort of looked down upon as a figure as as people do with roads mm -hmm. just a, a a leech sucking on our dwindling resources and offering us presumably nothing because he's he's done nothing at rotherham i was gonna say like he's not even pulled up any trees in fact he's not even pulled up any daffodils he's... at rotherham no no i was gonna say he's not even pulled up any broccoli has he he's not even got to like mini trees <laughs> um <laughs> exactly Exactly. He is he is yet to score a goal for Rotherham United. And we he's played twice against us now. Come on, and he's shocking. He's mm. not good. And that is what how many years now are we? Two years, three years? 
So if yeah. he'd shown that same level of progression with Sheffield Wednesday and we were paying him first team wages all that time, <laughs> people would then be saying, oh, Chancery got played. What a naive fool he was to get played by this young kid. <laughs> did, you, did you say for first team wages? Just like a, just like an Italian stereotype, then, Rich? <laughs> Yes, uh, I think I don't. Yeah, <laughs> like the wages of a first teamer. Well, George Hurst has scored in senior football three goals in what Belgian second division. <laughs> three goals in twenty-one appearances for Leuven. Yeah, that's garbage. But I know, I but know. Then the other side, let's look. So sorry, gone. <laughs> no, I, I, the whole thing with George Hurst is definitely the whole thing about like that whole gravitas of, you know, do you know who my dad is? But. I, <sighs> There's a presumption with young players, and you you hear people say this all the time, and it is a load of baloney. People say he's only going to get better from here. That is not true. Mm-hmm. Players often, and I would or maybe argue more frequently, get worse. There's a very good chance Shaw. You know, we were talk, we were sort of comparing Shaw to Izzy Brown favorably, in that it's like there's a moment as a young player, especially if you're a young player enjoying a modicum of success. There is an element of I can do I can maybe I can do anything. Who knows what I'm going to be? I can I can be all these things. And then as you get older, you pare down what you are. You become more specialized. You you turn down more things. You don't. You maybe get better at the things you do. Mm-hmm. But it's not like it's not like a skill set that constantly grows. You're not constantly evolving into a different type of player. What happens is you go, okay, this is my position. I learn how to play this position. I'm watching Liam Palmer today, and I just loved. This is just a tiny little moment. It was nothing, but just there was a point where I think Potts went up for a header. Palmer saw that he'd got he'd misjudged it and Palmer didn't jump at all he just put his backside into Potts meant that Potts completely missed the ball the ball went out for play and like those sort of things are like, mm-hmm. like yeah I'm a right back I've played right back for hundreds of, ga- you know, hundreds of games 100 plus games and I know when that ball comes at that angle particularly in this stadium where I've got all my visual you know visual cues I know that that's he's getting nowhere near that that's going straight out of play and that's sort of the good thing of learning a position building in a position but there are loads of players who they make that burst they burst out and get look fantastic and then are never that again mm-hmm. and actually it turns out over time they weren't that that was just a fluke and you know, the, around the time of George Hurst, we had Sean Clare mm. he went to Hart, now playing the division below us. Uh, oh, well, I say playing. I don't know if he's getting games. But, you know, that was another guy. Oh, watch how terrible Wednesday been. Now, I know there's a midway point here where you can secure your assets to the point where you actually make sure you get paid if another team wants to take them. But you can also get lumbered and played by agents into giving people contracts that they don't deserve. Yeah. Um, and, and Penny's another one. You know, Penny came, had a few good appearances. Oh, we've got to, he's only got six months left. So we've got to make sure we secure him. He's so good. Mm-hmm. He's done nothing since he signed that new contract. Yeah. But I, I don't know. It's just that, I don't, it's just a, <laughs> I struggle to get angry at the club, particularly in this situation, because I know. this is where things are completely self interested. Because they'll get a lot less for him staying here, um, and I, I understand. I sort of understand all sides in it, and I don't necessarily. <laughs> no, I don't think anybody's really the villain, but I can see why the agents push this because they get 
they sort of double their money if a player moves. Um, I can see why Liam Shaw, if he's being told, you know, you're the next, be- you know, the best thing to slice bread and Celtic want you, they're perennial champions of Scotland, although obviously this season's not going quite that way. Mm-hmm. But why would opportunity you get to play European football uh, etc and I also understand from the club's point of view you're looking at this player and going well yes he's got maybe got a promising future yes he's a useful player to have around but there is a limit to how far we go in offering him how much money we we dedicate to him because it's not a given you don't want to be in a position where you sign somebody up to a five-year contract and you resent every second of it because they're not worth what you're paying them and they're there forever. So yeah, it's tricky. I, I think what's most frustrating is the feeling that is Shaw being talked about about a contract? I, are people in charge of that or is it just happening? From the outside looking in, it feels a bit like we just keep sliding into these situations where players run out of contract almost by accident. Mm-hmm. So there, there was a nice fun digression, wasn't it, in the middle of the... <laughs> <laughs> Of the game. Sure. I mean, we haven't seen we haven't seen Liam Shaw since. So no, it's a, it's it's this. It's hard not to be disappointed for this season because that will be a loss to us. He's been a he's been a more than useful addition more often than not. Has show it. Mm-hmm. Anyway, back to the game. Anyway, back to the game. Good save from Westwood on the sixty fourth minute. Mm-hmm. There was a decent shot from Preston. He made a good save. Mm-hmm. You had a big big let off a couple of minutes after that. So, yes, um, where they put back to sort of the penalty spot, and I don't know which Preston player it was, and it Whiteman. Oh, Whiteman, the man with the very on the nose name, White Man. <laughs> he um, <laughs> he he just thumped it over the bar mm-hmm. um, when a little bit of finesse would have really put us in in trouble. He also got clobbered by um, by Patterson, which was lovely, <laughs> not in a fouling way, a perfectly legitimate sort of attempt for the ball but um it's, it's always nice to see someone get a little like get a dig on someone <laughs> don't don't do that again um <laughs> but the, we but that was sort of i think that was a, that was a pretty much what preston amounted to that was their efforts and <laughs> very much like wednesday performances we've watched so often that they kind of came out had they'd had their rocket they had a go and then kind of faded out of the game. I think they possibly also just to completely sort of complete the mimicry of Wednesday. It it also coincides with the point that they started making their subs. So they made two subs mm. when they were in the ascendancy and then didn't take any positive part in the game uh, again, really. I don't think they had another shot or not one that I can remember after making those two subs. They brought on Daniel Johnson and, and Bark Hughes. And I was surprised to see Ledson go off because I thought Ledson looked like one of their best players. And similarly, Brown, I thought Brown looked good, the right back and mm. captain. But I mean, Donald Johnson is a good player to bring off the bench, to be fair. He's all right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he, he's not quite the player he used to be because he, he was another one that was like synonymous with Preston, wasn't he? But I don't know how, I don't think he plays as often as he used to. Yeah, 12 goals last season for him as well. Wow, that's pretty full on. Mm-hmm. He loves a long range effort, doesn't he? He does. He does, yeah. <laughs> we made a swap of our own around that. Oh, it's the 71st minute. So Kachunga came off and Windass came on. Um, and around that time, Bannon played a lovely sort of reverse pass in for Palmer. Yes. And Palmer sort of mimicked that Gomez cross from last weekend. He, he sort of hit it with the pace of a shot, but with the angle of a of a cross. 
but unfortunately, nobody gambled from our point of view. I think that must have been before the substitution, actually. It was. There was a 70th minute. Kachunga was the one that I was imploring to just kind of fling himself at it. So, yeah, so that I, I was staggered. I thought Palmer was going for a... a I thought he was trying to beam one in because it was... Um, I mean, it was such a strange angle, though, wasn't it, right? I mean, it's, it's a kind of weird angle to be, are you going to cross us or are you going to try and... I, I think he probably was trying to shoot, but because of the angle, it ended up having, like, the facets of a cross. Because if you miss that far post, it, it, it's kind of the same thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, but nice to see him, obviously, sort of feeling himself at that point. Uh, getting forward and uh, <laughs> and having it having a go. I'm always glad that he's feeling himself. Ah, <laughs> oh, you know when Liam Palmer's feeling himself, it's a good day for the Wednesday. <laughs> but the, uh, Bannon was the next one to have a decent effort. We had a flurry of chances at this point in the game, and that looked like a, it was going to be an absolute perler from Bannon. It was a great save. I don't know if it was quite going in. I it would have definitely hit over. the. I thought it might have hit the cannon. Sorry, the, the cannon oh. bar, the crossbar. What am I talking about? <laughs> yes, okay, yeah. Yes. Well, I thought he would have hit the crossbar, but yeah, what a hit, though. He got some real great power behind that. That was fantastic to see. And like I said, the Preston keeper, I can't remember what his name is. Got a hand to it. Everson. Everson. Okay, there we go. We'll just call him Dan. Dan. Dan, Dan made a good save. <laughs> Sure. But it was a really great crack and funny that we've we've not really seen much from Bannon, but it's I think every now and again he can it's more sporadic than it should be, as we know. But that was a really, really good this, hit. This was like a trio of great Bannon moments because that mm. pass to Palmer was mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. Um he then had his shot and then from the next sort of set piece he put in a great cross that Lee's sort of headed across the goal line again. Yeah. It was so close. Yeah. In, in itself, it could have been a, put in by somebody else. Somehow it was offside. I don't know who was offside or where the flag went off. I think it was Lee's, sort of effectively. I think so. He didn't look offside. I think it was close. I think it was very, very close. Yeah. And Lee's, Lee's nearly bagged as well. I mean, it was um, Yeah. It was very close from going in. Oh, definitely. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good effort. It was a really good cross, and he, he hung up, hung in the air really well, and... Um, yeah, I think he was unlucky. But if he was offside, then that's that's it wouldn't have counted for anything anyway. But still, it's nice to it's nice to threaten. It's nice to be involved at that side of the pitch. And it also spoke to the fact that we weren't just sitting back because when we go one nil up in the first half, your worry as a Wednesday fan is that we just start. We already give the opposition so much of the pitch before we pressure them. If we drop back another ten feet, we're suddenly just. We're waiting on somebody hitting a good dis- a good distance effort or dribbling, and we'd already seen uh, their their right back have a, have a couple of decent kind of dribbles in the first half where he just sort of drove past a few players. So I was just sort of thinking like, well, when we came out, I was just like, uh, yeah, we just can't afford to sit back. So it's good to see us yeah. keep pushing forward. I do wonder about the offside rule in general in football. It it feels like it's now now with the um, the vagaries of, of VAR, it really feels like it's not fit for purpose. It feels like it needs to be reworded somehow, or the spirit of it is is wrong when you when it comes down to millimeters or like fractions of millimeters between somebody's armpit and somebody's toe. It's about advantage. It's about gaining an unfair advantage. And if you're, I really think you'd struggle to argue 
that somebody's gaining an advantage from having their an armpit hair a millimeter further forward than the, the heel of somebody's shoe. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it just feels like when it's given such precision, it, it 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 it's a rule that makes sense in the abstract, but when it's you zoom in on such a specific, precise ruling, it just becomes ludicrous. Because who's how are they win? I've I've thought this a few times where you sometimes see. A striker will stand just inside the opposition's half. You know, uh, uh, you get those occasions where a, a, de- a defending team will like defend pretty much the halfway line, and like a striker will be the only one in their half from a clearance or something like that. And then the striker comes all the way into their own half to actually win the ball, but then that's given offside because they gained an advantage. And you're like, but he's now he's in control of the football fully, like ten meters back from where he was gaining his advantage so has he gained an advantage i don't know that he has he certainly not got further forward as a result of it so i don't know it just it just feels like feels like it needs another look although i don't trust them to get it right another time because what they've done with the handball rule is just ludicrous um anyway sorry another lovely digression <laughs> in a series of digressions <laughs> lovely to see luan go back yes um Weird to see him come on for reach, but uh, lovely to see him back. Yeah, that was a strange sub. I thought it was staggering that Preston really went for it to try and get something out of this game by doing a triple sub. Mm. Um, a little bit concerning to see, but I, I, we barely heard a peep from them after that. I want to say, yeah. It, it, as I say, that is a we've I've, we've had how many times as a Wednesday fan have we been doing all right but not grabbing the goal, not making chances, but like. Mm-hmm we're kind of the better team in the game. So then we make a change to make a better, you know, like, oh, what we, right, let's really stick it to them. We'll chuck on another striker or another winger. And then we never, we lose all that momentum because actually it was the players on the pitch that were building that momentum. That formation was what was building that momentum and actually changing it means you lose the kind of core of what you were, what you were working from. And it was, it's nice to see it happen to somebody else. And in particular, nice to see it happen to Preston because they have brought on, I can't remember whether it happened this season, but last season, they brought on loads of subs and and it completely changed the game. We were winning and then they won 3-1 or something like that in the end, didn't they? Mm-hmm. And and Stockley, who was one of their subs they brought on, um, made or scored every goal. <clears throat> um, yeah, so nice to see. Nice, <laughs> nice to see their subs. Um, Did you think like me at the 83rd minute um, and then we go and spoil it all by doing something stupid like bring roads on? <laughs> that, yes, yes. Though I've, I've actually realised something, Rich, is that I'd, I'd much rather see Jordan Rhodes come on for Callum Patterson than Jack Marriott come on for Callum Patterson. Yes, yeah. And also, I, I think if I'm trying to be generous, I've, Rhodes has filled out a bit more. I mean, he's still not, you know, I talk, he's we, looking buff, bro. He's looking buff. We talked about him, um, you know, doing some exercises by lifting some uh, bags of Tesco shopping up in the uh, in the weights room. <laughs> yes. Doing some doing some bicep curls with a can of smart price baked beans. But I, I, I think he was okay. I Actually, so interesting. I do have some notes about him playing as well. I was a bit baffled okay. by those subs. 
glad to see you know Luongo back, but seeing him go off of reach was a bit strange. But anyway, I loved the bits. I don't know how we won a corner. That was late on. Westwood kicked it up. Rhodes <laughs> flicked it on and then won his own flick on, which <laughs> was fantastic. And then it somehow cycled to Penny, who somehow yes. won a corner despite the fact it came off Penny. <laughs> Yeah, that was bad. that was that was a bad decision. And Rhodes near the end, I think the final note I'd made is he won a soft free kick at the end. I like that. That was good. Yeah. It was a good um, pressure pressure release. Yes, free kick for him to win mm. on the halfway line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was it was a strange sub to make, especially because you couldn't really say that Patterson had run out of steam because he just belted it like up the wing after a lost course. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe he did that knowing that he was about to come off, though. So he just kind of thought, well, I've got nothing to lose. Might as well sprint after this and see what, see, see if I can do something. I was a little bit worried when Uruguide took his yellow. I thought it was needless. Mm, I thought it was a little bit soft myself. Well, but you, it's the sort of one that gets given... That gets given all the time. Refs don't like you trying to close down clearances like that. It, it often results... If you get it even slightly wrong, you tend to get a yellow card. But I just didn't think he needed to do it. I don't think he was... It wasn't like a vital... They weren't on a wonderful break or anything like that. And he took a yellow card that we might have... Need, you know, if Preston had managed to put together some pressure and quality... He might have been in a position where actually taking the yellow card would have been really favourable for us. He could have been stopping a run or something. How many times? How many times have been in that position where mm-hmm. we're like, why didn't somebody put their foot through him, or why didn't somebody take him out? And being on a yellow card is one of those reasons why you wouldn't take somebody out. And I just thought it just felt like a silly play. He didn't need to take that yellow. It wasn't helping the team, and it could have it could have bit us in the bomb. It didn't, but it, it could have. And it, it's just a bit of a kind of. A little mark against him. I thought he had a good a good game all round, mm-hmm. but it, it just shows you kind of some of the um, the impetuous nature of of being a a youngster, a bit mm. overzealous. Any other notes to point to? No, I think we can probably go move on to our man of the match, and I think this is probably going to be a bit of a notes kind of section here because mm. um, you know Rich and I have moved away from doing full player ratings, but the thing about this, this was such a this was such a positive, excellent performance all round. I felt we deserved a second goal from this game. You know, I I yeah. think a two 0 victory over Preston would not have flattered us at all. No, I think we you know it was so nice to have those moments of despite the fact me as a Wednesday night and I'm sure you were the same Rich I almost texted you at the 60 minute mark to say it's a long wait to full time isn't it yes yes <laughs> it felt like there's a lot of clock well, watching from me so but I did make a note that it was a little bit monk-esque the performance like a good monk performance but we had several times where we edged the first half and got the goal, and then second halves in good games were a lot like this. Mm-hmm. Just not looking like we could do some damage if we needed to or wanted to. They're just comfortably holding them at arm's length, really, without yeah, without put, without stretching ourselves too much, not without putting too much effort in. Yeah, but I mean, looking at this team and looking at the performances, I just want to say to a man, I don't think there's anybody who, if I was giving ratings, would get less than a seven from this. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe some of the lesser performances probably came from, it's going to sound a bit negative, this like Westwood. Pelopessi was a little bit quiet, but I, I think that's it. Kind of going through the team, I'm really happy for Liam Palmer. I'm really happy to see him score his second goal. It's been such a long wait, but I thought it was really great to see yeah. him back in. And he's had 
chances as well, hasn't he? Like he's been there, he's been in positions to grab that second one. Mm-hmm. So hopefully it's a bit of a monkey off his back. The back three of Lee's Hutchinson and Arahide were all great. Yeah. Um I I thought Penny was fine. I Bannon had a really good game. I thought Bannon was really, really good, so. good, really good. I really liked Kachunga. He did a lot of good stuff in that first half. Yeah. Um, Reach was quite good. Yeah. Reach definitely had some moments. I don't know what we would do without Callum Patterson at the club. No. So it's no. a really long and difficult kind of way to look at this. I'm going to have to give my man of a match to Arahide. I thought he was fantastic. Nice. Um, just brilliant like every time it seemed to go down that was the interesting thing about looking at this the um i mean i'm, I'm looking at um flash scores which essentially had a in a left back berth which maybe he was actually like as he said more part of a back three yeah. and you know with with penny and uh palmer kind of getting up those wings on either side but every time the ball kind of came in and around a he either won it or basically closed down the situation. It was it was he was fantastic. He was an absolute beast I, in that position. I thought he looked fantastic, and I thought I, what was also really pleasing was he actually looked pretty comfortable using his left foot because mm. I was a bit worried. He's got that sort of <laughs> there's a slightly kind of bundly nature to his play, uh, mostly in the positive sense. You know, he kind of like rolls through challenges and but it never quite looks 100% put together. <laughs> and I kind of worried that that being then on his on his weaker foot, you know, or, or needing to use his weaker foot might be a bad combination. But um, he played several really good passes with his left foot and never never looked like he was second-guessing himself or, or worried about it. I thought it was a really... I, I thought he had a good game last week. I know we sort of disagree on that, but I, I thought he was one of the few mm-hmm. players that could come out the Everton game with his head held high. I thought him and Brennan could be sort of rightly proud of how they played and was more let down by by the senior pros around them. Um, but I thought I was not, so it was nice to see Irigide brought back in and not kind of locked back in his his room under the stairs that he normally lives in. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I thought I thought he was fantastic, but you could you could have picked anybody in that back three because I I thought he was great. I I like I really liked that role for Hutchinson. I thought he played it very very well, mm-hmm. and, and again had several good um, interventions where he sort of brought his presence to bear uh, in a sensible manner. I thought I thought Lee's played well and weirdly sort of popped up in their half a couple of times to keep momentum and possession on our side. Mm. Um, I'm interested with that with Origide because we know he's got. He, he can run with the ball and I, I, if we get a chance to I know this is a big big if but <laughs> if we get a chance to see a few partnerships grow and see him grow into a role a little bit it, it would be nice to see him comfortable enough he did go on a little mini run in the second half but it would be nice to see him feel comfortable enough to occasionally kind of grab an opportunity and and kind of push push forward with the ball as long as he knows he's supported and covered in behind. But you'd hope with three centre-backs and Pelopesi in the team, there's enough men there to cover. If, if one of the centre-backs does go forward, there's enough men to, to fill in gaps. So it's it should be a, we should be able to do that without <laughs> without causing issue for ourselves. Um, so, yeah, I'd... I'd I like Kurogide getting the nod, and nice to see, really nice to see him back. Um, I, I also, yeah, I took I t- 
we we have a shared affection for Patterson, but in both boxes he was massive today. Yeah, um, and obviously played a key role in in the goal as well. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, good a good uh, a good performance all round. Um, some real standouts there as well, and that's four straight home wins in a, in a row, which is the first time we've done that in five years. <sighs> that is, doesn't feel like it, does it. League wins, obviously. That is absolutely insane. <laughs> What a weird time to suddenly have some form at home when nobody's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe it's maybe and part of it might be that awful pitch. Maybe we so. Play on it every other week. Maybe so. I I think there is a there's a real marked benefit of identifying that this is something that's not in the best stage, you know. But we can use it to our advantage and we can play with it as best as possible. Yeah. Well, we shouldn't be the ones getting caught out with. Oh, do you know what? I passed that ball and it was a bit short because it it runs slow or you know that yeah we should we should know that pitch and that that in and of itself is a is a is a sort of tick in our our um, positive column uh, going forward. So yeah, what a wild, <laughs> depressing week with a with a a lovely coda at the end of a of a much much needed win. Totally. I, I still can't believe it. Maybe it was the very nature of being a very Wednesday thing to just have such a an awful, awful week off the pitch. And then <laughs> after especially after a bad performance midweek, just put in a really good one, a really convincing win. It it's it is interesting because I think midweek not only was it a loss, but it was the sort of loss where you sort of it, it felt like you could feel that flailing from the coaching staff like the subs on on Wednesday were were weird um there didn't seem to be a plan to what was happening it was just whipping people on and putting them people other people whipping people off and putting other people on do you know and that is where you start to worry is you know is there is who's who's thinking things through here but then to follow that with such a good measured performance <laughs> at the weekend it's heartening and it just, I think for better or worse, we, we're playing better than we were doing under, under Gary Monk. We're playing better than we were doing under Tony Pulis. And that in and of itself feels like enough to probably give, give Thompson the nod till the end of the season for me. Just let's try and kind of keep the good things that are going at the moment going and then count where we are at the end of the season. But mm-hmm. it's, this is going to be tough. You know, we're, we're, Given with the games in hand and things like that, when we're now a bit adrift of of uh, well, we're three points now, thankfully after today. Um, but it's get, it's going to be a tough tough road. But I, I just feel like yeah, the good we should emphasize those good things, the good things that we have now, and uh, and try and focus on those. And and if we get those right, we'll pick up wins in games like this. You know, Coventry. The lower end of the table, I think we are good enough to beat. I think we've got a good enough squad to beat those teams. And if we simply do that, that will be enough to keep us safe. It's just it's just doing that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm gonna I think it's time to say cheerio, Luke. I'll see you, Rich. Have a good week. Same to the folks at home. Cheerio. Bye-bye.